Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Let's say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Raina is here with me today. Hey, Raina, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am well. And yourself? I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, so guys, you know this shape, this shape, this show has been pre-taped. So you know, for use in the future, because you know there will come a day when I may want to take a Sunday off or sleep in or to take somebody special to brunch, who the hell knows, you know, but sometimes I need that Sunday off, and especially if, if I've had a really hard week, um, so that's what that is, but anyway, you know, we have a great show that we're going to give to you today, and to be honest with you, I'm actually, well, it doesn't matter when I'm ready to announce that, I'll let you guys know, but, you know, today's show, we're going to talk specifically about the black church and social justice. And, you know, to keep things fair and balanced, of course, I'm going to talk about the black secular community and social justice, you know, because we always try to provide, you know, different forms of intersectionality here. And I see definitely see a lot of parallels. So it's important that we point those things out because, unfortunately, you have a lot of people out here that will, you know, blindly point the finger at the black church while yet silencing themselves or willfully ignoring what's happening on the other side of the equation. And so, you know, Raina and I, we're going to put a lot of things in its proper context so that you can understand what's happening, what's been happening, and, you know, why. You know, I just know a lot of people want to know why, you know, to certain questions. So if you go and you look at the information that I typed in for the show, you know, headline, the black church and social justice, and I probably need to amend that, you know, say the black church slash secular justice, sorry, secular humanist community or secular community and social justice. I'll probably do that later. Remind me to do that right now. So, um yeah, so, you know, we're going to talk about a number of things. And, you know, basically it says here we will discuss the black church and its claim of the social justice mantle. Everybody wants to claim that they marched with MLK and had high tea with Malcolm X. You know, was that really the case? Let's talk about this and more. And so, you know, I put a series of questions, you know, um, down here for you all to take a look at. And, you know, I want you to think about these things. That's why we do this show, so that, you know, we can have people thinking about things that, you know, they may be familiar with, but also acquainting you with things that you may not be familiar with. And like I said, the information that we put out on this show is nowhere near comprehensive. But, you know, that is my goal, to get you to go and do some research on your own and, and, and you know, find out some things. Because, you know, I've had several people come to me and say that they found out about different things, you know, through our show, things they had never heard of. And, you know, some people didn't believe. That's why I say fact check us. 
go back and fact check us. We have no problem with that. And in addition to that, we have no problem with correcting ourselves. Coming back and saying, well, you know, um, I was wrong about A, B, C, D, and E. Here it is. And, you know, acknowledging that and moving on. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. There's nothing wrong when you're wrong about something, correcting yourself. You have so many people out here that don't want to be wrong. You know, they have to be right about everything. And with people like that, it's hard to work with them. It's hard to teach them anything because they think they know everything already. And, you know, truly, you know, free-thinking individual understands that, you know, while you may know some things, you really know nothing. And so you're supposed to keep your mind open to learning new things and getting a better understanding, and which is why I think it's important, especially in, today, in today's, you know, political climate in America and, you know, actually around the world because this is happening globally, but I'm specifically targeting you know, black Americans and, you know, black people in different places like London and, um, you know, Holland and a number of places like that in Brazil, you know, that are basically standing in solidarity with us. And, you know, it's just as important to put this in context because on one hand you have one group of people saying that, you know, people are putting way too much pressure on them um, to advocate social justice. And then you have another group of people who feel as though, you know, you, they should have no pressure and that they're not responsible and that they shouldn't have to go out here and do anything for social justice, which is basically the secular community. And they're pointing the finger at the church. And you have some people in the secular community that do believe in social justice and they're trying to, you know, galvanize, you know, the troops, if you will, and encourage people to participate. But for those of you in the secular community, you know that's like herding cats. And, you know, some of the same issues are happening, you know, on the other side of the equation with the church. However, you know, I'm getting ready to go into this right now, so I'm segueing into it. And But what happened is, you know, the church and, you know, this is something that I picked up, you know, in Cleveland when I went to one of the classes. And, you know, some of the I was the only, you know, non-Christian in the room, well, non-believer in the room. Everybody else had some type of religious affiliation. And basically, you know, one person who was a Christian and she was saying that, you know, all the pressure that's being put on the black church all the fingers that are being pointed at the black church, so on and so forth, she felt that it was unfair, you know, in regards to the social justice, you know, um, calling, if you will. And it's just interesting because we're going to go ahead and we're going to put this in context because I understand what she's saying, and actually she's right. And so we're gonna we're gonna you know break it down and you know tell you why you know her comments were accurate you know I mean it it, it needs to you know uh, be explained and so it's just it's interesting but Raina did you want to add anything before you know I head off with this? Mm-hmm. 
Say that again. I said I'm pretty sure it will just come out in the conversation so you can go on. All right. Very good. So, you know, right here, you know, I have a number of questions set up, and I'll just run through them real quick because when I answer them, it's really not going to be any particular rhyme or reason in the order, you know, so I'm just putting this out here so that you all can see for yourselves. So basically, you know, I said, were the black power movement and civil rights movement started and maintained by the black church? And I also have the same question with the secular community. And the answer to that is, you know, that movement and pretty much all the movements that you see have been started by the secular community. You know, in that class, you know, the one of the instructors, he was like, well, it was a people's movement. If that's what you want to call it, that's fine. A people's movement, a secular movement, what have you, you know, because some people don't want to say I secular think, yeah, I think because... That, of, <clears throat> I think that the, I think that the most accurate way of saying that is that it was, that they were not, that they were non, uh, non-religious, non, you know, um, non-ideology, you know, they are affiliated, not secular because, you know, when you say secular, it sounds like it came straight out of, like, atheist agnostic circles. And though there were a lot of atheist agnostics involved, there, you know, these were not coming from that, um, those communities specifically. So you can say, I don't know, it's like, it's, it's accurate to say they were secular, but like I said, you know, some people get it twisted and they start to think, oh, well, that must mean like, <laughs> you know, uh, it came yeah. from the likes of like AA or, you know, um, <laughs> American Humanist Association or, or you know what I mean, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, and, and we know better than that. If you guys, you know, those of you that are of color and even some of the white people, you know, your allies, your anti-racist, if you really want to see what's happening in this community, go and find any article talking about black, Latino, um, you know, atheist or humanist. And, you know, the articles may be great and well-written, but the fun part is reading the comments. And so, you know, that would tell you a lot. But, no, I understand, and that's why I say the stigma of saying the word secular. So, you know, it's like, oh, you know, no, I'll well, I stand don't correct. It's a stigma that you have to pay attention to. It's just... This, the, the association, because we have now all of these secular groups and organizations, and when you say secular now, it has a different it has a different meaning that first comes up for people, because now they're thinking of these atheist agnostic organizations rather than just a, a descriptor for sort of this non, you know, these uh, organizations or these groupings of people that aren't really based on a central religious ideology. Exactly, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. But I'm going to change my language on that. I'm going to start Mm -hmm. saying that it was a people's movement. So, you know, when you all hear me change up on that, that is what I mean by it. So I don't want anyone saying, why is she changing? I mean, but this is how you grow, you know, and with a lot of the things that we do. And let's face it, there are some people in the atheist movement uh, a secular movement for, for whom the revisionists, uh, you know, who are into sort of a revisionist history of things. And so, mm-hmm. 
it would, it would, I said, there are people in this community who are sort of into revisionist history who would love to be able to claim civil rights as right. one of their, as one of their movements or one of their victories. You know what I mean? Right. So you see, yeah. So That's true. Good to call it as people's movement. Exactly. So, you know, here, here you go. Uh, we stand corrected. We're going to change some of the language up, which is important. And, again, that's part of the growth, you guys. And But that's also part, that's the hard part, is being able to translate it into, you know, from one world to the other, if you will. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the language. And to be honest with you, that's the hardest part, you know, because, you know, when I talk about certain experiences, especially when I talk about Cleveland, you know, it's going to take me a minute to kind of, you know, get through that, you know, reverie there because, you know, I really did enjoy myself. And because of the lack of better language, you know, sometimes I have a hard time describing it, you know, um, without the religious language, you know. But, I mean, I think I did a good job when I was saying about it was it was um, basically – you know, emotionally and psychologically satisfying and gratifying. But, you know, it's just interesting. So anyway, it was a people's movement. And so it's important for people to know and understand that. And Martin Luther King, he had a lot of free thinkers and, you know, secular people around him. Because when when the movement started off, and I'm talking about, you know, the 50s, 60s, you know, early 70s, you know, civil rights movement, black power movement, all of those there. You know, if you go and you read some of the writings by Stokely Carmichael and, you know, a number of other people, especially MLK with his letter from the Birmingham jail, and then he wrote another book called Where Do We Go? Is it Where Do We Go From Here? Um, I believe that's I the name of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Several few books, but, yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, but in those two particular books, you know, Where Do We Go From Here and Letter from a Birmingham Jail, you know, you'll note the change. And so, again, going back to, you know, how these movements started off, again, these movements were initiated, started, funded, maintained by black women. And, you know, we did a show last year, and we talked about, you know, pioneers in the civil rights movement, women in particular, and, you know, if you get a chance, go back to the archives and take a listen to that, because these movements are, you know, you know, um, started and maintained by women, and then they get co-opted, you know, and so, to, you know, the next show that we're doing, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and uh, go from there. But um, it's just interesting. So, again, (laughs) he had a lot of, you know, secular people around him. And the movement started out, you know, um, without being centralized in religion. You know, I guess that's the best way to put it since I'm moving away from that secular language there. But, you know, that movement started out, again, as a people's campaign, but it started out non-religious. And one of the reasons why it took on a religious tinge is because, you know, you had white nationalists, 
you had white religious people, namely white Christians, who were using Bible scriptures in you know as 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 a way to explain their racism, in a way to explain why the racists shouldn't mix, as a way to explain you know how blacks were. I don't inferior. think it's so much as explain or suggest as as to justify. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they were using that. So basically, you know, King and all the people around him, they had to fight fire with fire. And so that's how a lot of the religious rhetoric was factored into that movement. And so um, it's just really interesting, excuse me, how, you know, all of that has come about. And, you know, we just need to talk about this more and and put it in its proper context because, you know, you got a lot of people out here and, you know, they're being given all of this bad information and then they want to pass it on. And, again, you know, unfortunately we have a lot of people who romanticize the past. You know, they want to go back to the good old days. You know, I had someone say that to me the other day. You know, I was at, um, you know, out at this restaurant, and the owner's wife was sitting there talking to me, and she said, "Yeah, I wish we can go back to the good old days." And I was like, "Which good old days?" And she was like, "You know, back when." And and I was like, "Yeah, I don't think you're gonna find many black people that want to go back to those days." And then she thought about it, and she laughed when she saw me smiling because she knew I wasn't being mean or anything. And she was like, no, I'm just talking about the simplicity. And I was like, no, I understand. And I'm like, but, you know, we don't want to go back to the days that Paula Dean and the Duck Dynasty guys trying to send us back to. But, um, you know, it was just an interesting conversation. But, um, you know, I just said that to say this, that we have to really be careful when we talk about the past, you know, because, again, People want to romanticize it, and especially, you know, you have some people out here, you know, now everybody is claiming that they marched with MLK and, you know, that they shook hands with Malcolm X, and that's not the truth because only a small percentage of the church actually agreed with Martin Luther King and had solidarity with him. It was a very minute number of churches because basically they looked at King and, you know, his associates, they looked at them as troublemakers. And what was happening is, you know, a lot of these black leaders, religious leaders, they wanted to maintain the status quo. Why? Because they were living a very comfortable life. They were not trying to um, agitate, you know, the white people, if you will, because they felt that it would interfere with, you know, the life and the lifestyle that they've become accustomed to. You know, and that's the same, you know, situation that you see now. And that's why it's important, you know, that we do, you know, a contrast here or a comparative analysis is important because what you're seeing now, you know, as far as the number of churches that are taking a back seat. I mean, you see some of these, you know, religious people on the front line getting arrested, you know, you know, marching with the protesters and the activists. You know, you see that. So, you know, I'm not diminishing what they're doing. I applaud that. 
And for those of you that have been listening to this show, you know that, you know, I'm just, like, really thrilled at the people that are out here and standing up. But what I'm saying to you is you have people out here, and this is true, and I'll agree with, you know, the woman that made this comment. Yes, the finger and expectations that are being put on the black church to participate in social justice, the reason why I would say that it's somewhat unfair is because, you know, Again, there are a lot of people romanticizing the past, and, you know, they're making it seem like all of the black churches or churches of color were participating in this, and they weren't. You know, actually, it was like a single-digit percentage, to be honest with you. You know, and when I was talking, I gave it 20%, and I was being extremely generous. But, no, it was less than half of that. And so, you know, I'll post some links later for you guys to go and take a look. But, you know, what happened was um, when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, the black church picked up the mantle of the civil rights movement, if you will. And, again, that's using religious language. Just bear with me. You know, they picked up the ownership of the religious, of the um, civil rights movement. And, Many Christians, you know, basically started saying that Martin Luther King was representing the black church. And so that is why, you know, um, they feel that they can lay claim to the civil rights movement. So, you know, I'm just putting it in context. And one of the articles that I'm going to post a little bit later um, is talking about both the blessings and the curse of, you know, the civil rights movement legacy in relation to the black church. And so it's just interesting because I'm assuming the curse part is because they've picked up that mantle and they've, they've claimed it, now people have all of these expectations of them. And, you know, um, and, and it, it gets a little bit convoluted there. So, you know, that's why, you know, it's important that we put it in context. It's important that you go out and, you know, do some research on this because you're going to be surprised at some of the responses. You know, there was a church here in Chicago. The pastor absolutely hated, excuse me, he hated Martin Luther King. And he hated what they were doing with the civil rights movement because he felt that it was, you know, encroaching upon his territory. He felt like civil rights activists and protesters were trying to take over and make life, you know, miserable for him and the people in his congregation. So, you know, after, you know, MLK was assassinated here in Chicago, they named the street after Martin Luther King, like in many cities. And the entrance to this gentleman's church was right there on that street, you know, where everybody would park and walk in. He hated MLK so much that he bricked bricked up that opening, that door to his church, and put the opening door on the other side. He totally remodeled his entire church. Now, that's some hate for you, right, Raina? Mm Mm-hmm. That's some some hate, for sure. Yeah, so, you know, I just thought that was interesting. Go ahead. No, so yeah, not yeah, you know, I just thought that was interesting, and you know, I wanted you guys to know a little bit about that, 
And, you know, I can post some links, but, you know, sometimes I just rather have you guys go out and look because when you go and you search, you find information about what I'm talking about, but you also find additional information that I'm not, you know, able to fit into this little time that we have on the show, you know. So to me, that's the fun part, actually going out and doing the research and, you know, finding out these little additional nuggets of knowledge that, you know, you may have otherwise, you know, not known. So, you know, it's interesting because, you know, again, we're pointing to the black church and these movements. And, you know, again, I had, you know, briefly talked about a few minutes ago black women and how black women have started, supported, funded, you know, not only these movements but also the black church. And so, you know, what was interesting about that particular era in time was that a lot of black women were, um, you know, part of the feminist movement, you know, and basically they were being told and given an ultimatum that, you know, you can't be part of both. You have to choose one. And given, you know, the promises that women's issues would be addressed and women would be allowed to speak and given different opportunities. And that was not the case because, you know, again, if you go back to the archives and you listen to the show that we did, you know, we talked about how there were two marches on Washington. The men went down. The men went down um, Pennsylvania Avenue. And the women went down Independence Avenue. And but nobody talks about the Independence Avenue march and, you know, the conflicts with, you know, Ella Baker and Byron Rustin and, you know, them, you know, trying to get people like Mahalia Jackson to speak. And she was like, no, I'm not here to speak. She was there to sing her song, right? And so, you know, you just have to go back into history and look to see, you know, what was happening. And, you know, again, with the black church then and even now, you know, it's, it's you know, it's entrenched in patriarchy, period. And so it's about men and what they want and what their needs are. While, you know, again, women are, you know, some things have changed over the years. Others, nothing has changed. What they did is they've just repackaged it. And so, you know, that's the reason why, you know, the movements that you see now, you know, that are spearheaded and, you know, maintained by women, you have men coming in and attempting to co-op. And, you know, I hate to say it, you know, make this next admission, but, you know, I believe that the Black Lives Matter movement has been co-opted. And it's unfortunate. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it, it makes me sad. Or we can say, or we can say parts of it if we have been co-opted. Say that again? I said, or at least parts of it have been co-opted, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah part of it has been co-opted. Because there are some people who are, you know, in the trenches, you know, who are what they say they're about. need to speak up a little bit, Raina. I'm sorry. You're just talking a little, I can't hear you. 
Okay. Um, I was saying because there are some people in this movement who are, you know, who are what they say they're about. You know, they're making, you know, sacrifices, you know, that um, some of us are, you know, either unable to make or unwilling to make. You know, people who are poor, people who are, you know, you know, already uh, at the edge of being destitute, who are out there still fighting, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And that's why, you know, I've been saying from the very beginning of the Black Lives Matter movement, and, I mean, even with the, you know, this so-called secular movement, and I've written that off as well, you know, because there is no movement in the secular community, and in particular the black secular community. Why? They're doing absolutely nothing. They're not organized, and the only thing they're doing is a lot of self-promotion and being opportunists in most cases. You know, and that's the same thing, you know, on the religious side. Because when I see people like, you know, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, Jamal Bryant, you know, hell, dare I say Cornell West, you know, and a number of other people running down to Ferguson and running to, you know, Baltimore and running to New York and all of these cities across the country, you know, um, calling themselves, you know, leading these protests and, you know, getting themselves arrested while asking for donations at the same time, it literally makes me sick. It turns my stomach for the simple fact that I know that at the end of the day, what they're doing is trying to get a better deal from themselves for themselves. And what's so unfortunate, you know, and I've just come to this conclusion and, you know, for the last couple of weeks, you know, but especially last week, you know, I've been sitting here and, you know, just contemplating and looking some things over and, you know, really being, you know, kind of upset about some things. And, I mean, Raina can attest to that because she talked to me a few times. But um, with a lot of these people, you know, that are claiming that they want to end white supremacy, that's not true. They're looking for a seat at the table, or if they're already at the table, they're looking for a better seat. Otherwise, they're looking for, you know, more table scraps to come off, you know, for them, you know, to be thrown at them. And I just think it's a bunch of bullshit across the board. And so, you know, I'm looking at these things, and, you know, so, you know, I start looking at this the same way I did when I was, you know, religious. And you start looking at this stuff, and you start wondering, am I the only one that was taking this shit serious? It makes you question yourself. But anyway, you know, it's interesting, but, yeah, I believe that part of this movement has been co-opted, and I've been sitting back and watching, and, you know, we've talked about it on this show, and, you know, I'm a little outdone. You know, I'm not quite sure how to process 
some of this, you know, some of the revelations that have been coming to light. And so, you know, it's just interesting. But, you know, for those of you that are out there, I love you. I commend you. If you need anything, you know, to reach out, you know, and I will donate as I've done in the past. That's never been an issue, and it never will be an issue. You know, I'm here for you, you know. And so I'm just looking, but, yeah, you know, the black church, you know, picked up that mantle just in general because it wasn't everyone, but, you know, as they say, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? And so you had a number of, you know, black preachers after the fact you know, if they're preaching about social justice in their role in, you know, the community. And so, again, I just, we, you know, looking at some of these churches, and my question is, you know, when it comes down to, you know, the Bible, the church, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and social justice in black churches, are they making a difference, or are they just making a bunch of damn noise? And that's a legitimate question. Same thing in the secular community. Are you making a difference? Are you out here attempting to be, you know, one of those people affecting real change? Or are you just making noise, you know, on Facebook, Twitter, you know, making Photoshop pictures, you know, what the fuck, you know, all of that, and you're not doing anything. So I know some people like to say, you know, armchair revolutionaries or never-lutionaries. And, you know, again, I'm looking at a lot of things, and I am just absolutely floored. But, I mean, we'll be talking about that um, in another show in which we will specifically be addressing radicalism, you know, revolutionary and grassroots um, movements, you know, and I'll get into more specifics then, but um, this show will come out actually after that show, so you got to go back, you know, and find it in the archives if you haven't already heard it, and so, you know, um, you know, I'm just sitting here frustrated and perplexed. Because, you know, the difference between the movement in the 50s and 60s, and I know you all keep saying, why does she keep repeating herself? And the reason why I keep repeating, you know, this specific, you know, um, nugget of information is because it's important for you to know this and understand the difference. And, you know, just by looking at some of the conversations that I've seen, you know, quite a few of you, you know, you don't know. But, you know, the movement of the 50s and 60s and early 70s, that was a very, you know, they were educated, some of them highly educated. Um, It was more elitist, whereas the original concept of Black Lives Matter, okay, of this particular movement, it was basically the outliers of the community that started this particular movement. So, you know, these were the LGBTQ um, members of the black community. Well, okay, so, I mean, I've seen people describe it as fringe or the, you know, extremely marginalized. So, yeah, I would say extremely marginalized. So, when you say outliers, because outliers applies 
like, it's, you know, from a statistical okay. standpoint, yeah. so it's, 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 it's extremely it's marginalized. Yeah. And see, I hate that, you know, the people, you know, turn around and take these words and they twist the meanings of it. But, okay, we'll go with the, yeah, you know, it's heavily. It's twisted meaning. It's just that words have multiple meanings. That's all I'm saying. That's true. That's true. So, you know, those that have been heavily marginalized, um, in the black community. So, you know, that would be the LGBTQ members of the community. That would be the black youth, um, you know, especially trans people. You know, the homophobia and transphobia that, you know, has, you know, affected and impacted the lives of LGBTQ people is horrifying. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. But we're just talking about in, in women, you know, and in these are the people that aren't necessarily, their needs aren't being addressed by the black church or some black, or most black churches, because there are some, you know, um, I can name a few, you know, pastors that are affirming and, you know, working with these different communities. But this movement was started by people who have been heavily marginalized. And that's what it was originally. And, you know, I see them trying to kind of pull this back under control. But, I mean, you know, this is kind of hard to say. You know, but you know what I'm saying now is, you know, how it has been co-opted. And you have a lot of the black political elite that have come in Mm. And they've kind of taken over some facets. And that is what I was worried about. And I'm sitting here and I'm watching it and I'm floored. You know, and, you know, I'll even talk about, you know, the secular community. You know, again, black women you know, starting a lot of this, funding it and maintaining it, but now I'm starting to see some black men come in and trying to take over. And I was talking about this years ago, you know, that I was afraid of this happening, you know, and, you know, on the secular side, what's so unfortunate about some of the men that are coming in and, you know, trying to co-op what a lot of women of color have, you know, started to organize and to put in place. You know, unfortunately, you know, I've seen the same thing on the secular side that I saw on the religious side. You know, some of the behaviors, some of the attitudes. And, you know, I'm not pointing the finger at everybody. But, you know, we have our share of people on both sides of the equation that are over there, you know, basically doing belly flops in a festering cesspool of degeneration. And I'll just leave that right there where it is. But, um, you know, I know some people are saying, you know, you know, you're pointing at the black church, but I'm also pointing at the secular community, so don't come at me with that. I'm balancing it out. And, you know, I'm sitting back and I'm looking at the response 
from, you know, the black church. I'm looking at the response from the black community as a whole. And I'm also looking at the response from, the you know, the black secular community. You know, I haven't even begun to touch the white secular community. But I'm talking specifically about the black secular community. And the response has been absolutely dismal. Um, it's, it's, and I'm sitting here. And, you know, you guys put people out here and, you know, they're bandwagoning. Even though they say that they're not bandwagoning, that's exactly what they're doing. And, you know, I'm just horrified by the whole situation. And so, you know, I'll probably dive a little deeper into that a little bit later on because, you know, I have something to say. In, in No, I'll talk about it now, damn it, since I started. But, um, you know, it hasn't been a lot of positive response. And, you know, you have a lot of people sitting here on the sidelines looking, and then you have your people out here that call themselves cheerleading on the sidelines saying, you should do this, you should do that. My question is, why aren't you doing it? You know, this is another people's movement. Aren't you a people? So, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at it, and so, you know, I've seen some responses from, like, DeRay McKesson in their campaign zero in which, you know, they're outlining their political platform. And, you know, I'm just looking at all of this. And, you know, I can't forget about Moral Mondays, you know, and that was started by that pastor in North Carolina. And, you know, that's been sweeping across the country, you know, in Atlanta, they do their protesting on Tuesdays. We have Moral Mondays here in Chicago, so Monday is the day here in Chicago. You know, and I'm familiar with a lot of these grassroots movements, and now that I've divested myself of some dead weight, I, um, you know, have time to go out and interact and engage, you know, some of these people. But, you know, again, this is when you go to these meetings and it's just like a handful of us that are showing up. And, you know, that's on both sides. You know, I'm not pointing at one side specifically. I'm pointing at everybody, all of you, you know. And, you know, but everybody has an opinion. Everybody has something to say, you know. But, you know, not a lot of people are coming out and dedicating their time. You know, people aren't necessarily donating And, you know, people get burnt out. And that's why, you know, some of these movements and, you know, some of this activism, it fizzles out. And so this is why it's important that we kind of focus on the youth and train them for a number of different things. But I don't know. I'm just highly freaking disappointed across the board with some of what we're seeing, but you know, you know, going back to the black church and social justice, and like I said, making noise and making a difference, you have a lot of people out here talking, you know, and that's all they do is talk. You know, there's not a lot of action behind what they're doing. And, I mean, again, there are some people who are disabled and they're not able to physically be out there. And so I'm not talking about those people. 
there are some people out there, yeah, due to their profession or what have you, they can't be out there for a number of reasons. We understand this, you know, but I'm talking about a lot of the people out here who can be or could be, you know, a part of this or, you know, playing a role in some capacity, and they're doing nothing. And they're just sitting back and they're watching. And so, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm frustrated. I'm looking at it. But, you know, I'm trying to put it in perspective because to a certain degree I do feel that, you know, too much pressure is being put specifically on the black church. However, you know, they picked up that mantle. They claimed it. They continue to claim it. You know, it's only been a few of them, and that's one of the articles that I'm going to post. It's only been a few of them that have readily admitted that the church, you know, basically cannot bear the weight of that type of movement and that it was going to have to start from outside the church, if you will. And so, you know, I'm going to put that up there. But, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I've done a couple of shows about white allies. And, you know, with this movement, again, you see some white Christians out there, you know, out there on the front line or out there supporting, you know, the activists and the protesters. And, again, I commend them for that because white allies, you know, it's time over, time up for being silent. You have to say something. And so when we talk about the white church, and you'll hear a lot of this, you know, in the different communities, in, in particular the secular community. And we talk about how, you know, the white church was one of the institutions that, you know, again, as, you know, Raina said earlier, tried to justify slavery, you know, tried to use the Bible to justify slavery and the mistreatment of blacks and other people of color. Because I think it's important for people to know and to understand that, you know, there were other people that, you know, other races and cultures that were in slavery, that were being lynched and, you know, or indentured servitude, if you don't like the S word. But, you know, it's a lot of this. And it's a lot of history, you know, behind this. You know, they were lynching Latinos. They were lynching um, Filipinos. They were lynching Italian people. And some of these people are now, you know, honorary white people. You know, so they've been included into that one particular little Venn diagram, but um, that Venn circle. But, um, you know, going back to the white churches, you know, what's interesting is is that quite a few white religious people and white churches, they've, you know, accepted King or Martin Luther King as being, you know, this American hero. And I know one of the things that Raina and I have talked about is how the legacy of King and Malcolm X is being whitewashed. And and that is happening. You know, black history is being whitewashed. And that's why we think it's important that we have shows like this and we encourage people to go out and read and buy books. A lot of the books that we talk about, that I talk about on this show, you can get a lot of them for like a penny or a dollar on Amazon. Rarely do I buy new books. You know, I do buy some e-books, you know, but the thing is is that, you know, I buy used books. You know, it's the same book, you know, so I'm just saving money. But, um, you know, a lot of white 
church folks or, you know, white religious people, you know, they they try to use king as an example. And you've seen that as of late. And they would say, you know, what would Martin Luther King say about the Black Lives Matter movement? And someone gave, you know, a classic response, and I just loved it. And their response was, if you hadn't killed him, we would know. You know, so uh, the whole thing is is being interesting. So, you know, Martin Luther King, you know, this is what I'm, you know, from this one article is talking about the letter from the Birmingham City Jail. And this is a quote from, from Martin Luther King, and it said, In the midst of blatant injustices inflicted upon the Negro, I have watched white churches stand on the sideline and merely mouth pious irrelevancies. So, you know, that's what King was saying, you know, when he was incarcerated for those few days there. And what's happening now is, again, you know, you have some people in these different communities, you know, condemning the white church as being racist. And, yeah, it's still, you know, quite a few of them that are racist. You know, I'm not taking that away. And, you know, um, but, but this is the thing. You still have some white churches and some white people who, you know, continue to, you know, just ignore Martin Luther King and, you know, try to just factor him out of history. And, you know, what's interesting is you see some of that in the black church as well, you know, and it's just interesting because you have a lot of, you know, people out here, you know, basically, you know, they're, I just, I'm not sure how to put this, but it's like you have a lot of people who just live for that prosperity gospel. And here we go again. I know you're tired of hearing me talk about this, but this is true. And in with the prosperity gospel, the way that it's taught is, you know, poor people are shunned, looked down upon, and being told that their, you know, poverty is their fault. And for those of you that have listened, you know that I compare the prosperity gospel to basically capitalism on steroids. And, you know, a lot of people of color, black people namely, you know, have fallen into that trap of the prosperity gospel. And see, when you start talking about the prosperity gospel and, you know, what Martin Luther King stood for and what he talked about, they're actually polar opposites in some regards. You know, i got to make sure I qualify that. And so I'm just sitting here and I'm looking at this because there's so many layers to this onion that needs to be peeled back. And, you know, I'm telling people that they need to be careful because, you know, again, when you have people like Jamal Bryant and, you know, TD and, you know, a number of these other prosperity preachers, they see money in this. They're, they're, they figured out a way how to capitalize off of this movement. And so, you know, we did a show talking about the high cost of poverty, you know, and I feel that this is another factor in it because a lot of these people will come to, 
you know, poor black communities. And, you know, basically, um, you know, talk about the pathologies, if you will, of the black community. And I have a problem with that, but for lack of better words, this is how I'm going to phrase it, because this is the way that most people understand it. So they come to the communities and they focus on the so-called pathologies of the black community, and they claim to be leaders while brokering deals for themselves, and then after they get what they want, they just leave the people behind. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of people in these communities, namely the black community, they've just become, you know, disheartened, which is why it's hard to get them to be a part of some of these movements because, you know, they're not stupid. We're not stupid. We've seen how we've been used in a lot of cases, and it's still continuing to happen. So, you know, I just I need you all to pay attention, you know, to some of these, you know, self-promoting opportunists that come to this because, you know, they have a brand to sell. You understand? And, you know, they're trying to build their empires. You know, and you even have some people who are not part of that, you know, so-called black political elite. You know, you have some people who are part of these, you know, grossly marginalized um, segments of society that have figured out how to build a brand and how to build a reputation, you know, doing the same thing that these prosperity preachers have done. And they're just doing it differently. You even see that in secular communities. So it's just interesting because My microphone isn't rubbing against anything. Oh, okay. Well, I just heard movement. That's why I stopped talking. Um, no, so, I heard um, your I heard your computer breaking up a little bit, or your signal breaking up a little bit. I don't know what it was, but oh, okay. In any case, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I just think you know, um, you know, I I just think it's just so important for people to you know pay attention. And to see what's happening And, you know, there's a lot of danger behind that Because, like I said, you know, we're seeing people come in And co-opting these movements But they're doing it for their own, um, for themselves You know, to see what they can get out of this And then once they get what they want They're going to leave and leave the people in a lurch And in some cases, leave them you know, in worse conditions they were in than when it started. So, you know, it's it's important um, that you guys, you know, pay attention to, you know, what's happening because, again, you know, one of the things that I feel that the church should be doing is actually, you know, if, if they have a problem with the terminology of social justice, you know, I'll just try to give it another term, which is, you know, serving the needs of the community. And, you know, not only, you know, the religious community, but the secular community as well. You know, serving the needs of the community. And, you know, I'm getting ready to talk about the secular community for a minute because 
I'm just seeing a lot of stuff, and it's 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 alarming. You know, you have people over here that want to talk about all of you know the tragedies that they're seeing, but they're not you know donating any money. They're not donating any supplies. They're not donating any of their time. They're just you know talking. And then you have another you know when I say talking, I'm just talking about talking a bunch of shit on Facebook and Twitter. And then you have some people in the secular community that, you know, they go to all of these different conferences and conventions and they talk to a group of people who generally don't give a shit about what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. They're just happy they built their quota. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to leave that right there for you all to think about. But, you know, but, I mean, going around and, you know, giving speeches to, you know, wealthy, you know, the stereotypical atheists, which are, you know, wealthy, educated, cisgendered, hetero white men, what are you getting out of that? Because they're not donating to your organization's They'll come up and tell you that, oh, you did so well, you know, after you speak. But isn't that why Joe Biden got in trouble when he said Barack Obama was very articulate? You know, and I'm like, you all got to pay attention to these codes. But at the same time, while they're congratulating you, they're not offering you a check. They're not offering to support you. Yeah, they may let you come on their podcast. Yeah, they may let you write a little article or they'll interview you. And then that's where it stays. There is no action behind that. So going to talk to, you know, all of these, you know, stereotypical atheists, you know, you think you're doing something, but you're not. And that is evident. And so... You know, I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at this, and I'm absolutely sick to my stomach, you know, seeing how, you know, this is falling out or falling into place. And, you know, again, you got even people in this community in their own way attempting to bandwagon and co-op. They call it intersectionality. I'm calling it co-op in certain regards, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. And so, you know, what I find interesting is, you know, they want to talk about Black Lives Mattering and, you know, sell their little T-shirts, sell their little T-shirts to make people think, oh, you bought a T-shirt that says, you know, I'm a humanist and Black Lives Matter or I'm an atheist and Black Lives Matter. Now they think they've done something. None of the proceeds mm-hmm. from those T-shirts goes to BLM. You know, even the conference that was held most recently, they claimed that half the proceeds were going to, you know, this anti-racist, you know, nonprofit. And I'm looking the information up on that nonprofit, and I'm like, where are the receipts? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I mean, if you're going to be talking about Black Lives Matter or you know, Campaign Zero or any of these, shouldn't that money have been, you know, those proceeds, shouldn't that have been given to the movement that you are trying to co-opt and bandwagon on? I mean, Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. But what do I know, little black girl from the south side of Chicago? 
you know, and so I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at this shit, and my stomach is turning, and I'm like, what the hell is going on around these parts? And so now I'm taking a step back. I'm taking a step back from everything and everyone, and I'm reevaluating, you know, what's what's going on and what's happening here. But especially in the secular community, you know, I've said this before, but let me make this crystal damn clear now. I really believe that this is nothing but a con game. And there's going to be people upset with me. And, you know, and I'm not talking about secularism, the you know, the ideology. I'm talking about a lot of the people, or not a lot, but some of the people in this community who are so-called leaders and, you know, so-called advocating for the people in the community. No, they're not. They're self-promoting opportunists. You need to ask them, where's the money going? You always hear me say, follow the money. And so, you know, I'm seeing all of these atheist churches popping up, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Because, you know, the people that started that, this one particular brand, it started out as a joke. And then when they saw people taking them seriously and they decided to brand it and make money off of it, you know, now it's a business venture. And some of the same people in the secular community point to the religious community talking about how it's been, you know, commercialized. And, you know, and the same thing is happening over here. So, you know, I'm saying that to say this. You know, we're supposed to be helping our fellow man. But, again, you've got to remember that, you know, there's a very strong libertarian base in the secular community. And, basically, you know, they're the people. They want all of their toys, and they want to collect all of your toys, too, and give you nothing. And many of them, you know, they don't believe in helping people. They believe in survival of the fittest. Um, You know, they don't feel as though they need to be out here advocating for the poor. And, again, you know, going back to the prosperity gospel, you know, they're blaming the victims for being victims, re-victimizing folks. And, you know, what's what's really getting me at this point, I'll see, you know, some – in my news feed, I've seen some, you know, secular organizations out there asking for more money and donations so that they can go and help the children, the poor children in Africa and India and all of these places. And I'm like, you don't even want to help the poor white people in your community. Why do you think, you know, I'm going to believe that you're helping, you know, poor black kids in Africa? So that's why I'm saying it's a damn scam with some of these people, and even with the church. I mean, everybody knows how I feel about, you know, word of faith, the prosperity gospel. I just see it's, it's, like I say, capitalism on steroids, and I'm telling you all, you need to pay attention because, you know, they talk a lot, you know, on both sides. They talk a lot about, you know, what's wrong in these communities, what's wrong with their congregants or what's wrong with their members but yet, you know, in, in most cases, the members are just emulating what the leadership is doing. So, you know, I, I'm just, 
like I said, outdone. Because, you know, I see a lot of these people and they're giving the middle finger to, you know, these impoverished, you know, these marginalized communities. And, you know, while at the same time trying to bandwagon on this particular movement, not that they're giving anything, but they're just going to use, you know, the hashtags. They're going to use the language. They're going to use the terminology, you know, and try to get people, you know, excited. And I just need you guys to pay attention. And, you know, they're using some figureheads, if you will. See, you know, this is a person of color. And they believe us, but see, these same people of color have not been able to deliver the spikes in membership. They have not been able to deliver the spike in, you know, donations to, you know, some of these larger white organizations, you know. And I'm just sitting here, I'm watching it implode on the secular side. But as far as the black church is concerned, what's interesting is the black church is thriving even more which, you know, is kind of, it is the polar opposite of the white church because more and more white people are leaving the church or considering themselves non-religious but spiritual. You know, so while their numbers, you know, are going down as far as church attendance and membership is concerned, in the black community, that number is going up. And, you know, you need to be asking yourself why. And while you're asking yourself why, you need to pay attention to what's happening in the economy. You need to pay attention to what's happening with the unemployment rates and all of that. And when you start looking at it from that perspective, some of this starts to make sense. Even with, you know, you see some of these white nationalists and, you know, trans people coming out more and more and endorsing people like Donald Trump. And, you know, white people are out here saying we want our country back and we want things back to, you know, the way it used to be. And, you know, they're taking jobs from white men. See, those are key words. And if you go back to our show in which we talked about domestic violence and, you know, domestic, not domestic violence, I'm sorry, domestic terrorists, you know, in this country, that happens, you know, when you have an economy like the one that we have now in which, you know, jobs are scarce. You know, and I'm talking on the micro level. I'm not talking on the macro level. On the macro level, you know, things were doing fine until we had that little dip in the stock market, but it's still doing quite well. You know, under President Obama, you know, this economy has flourished. You know, the stock market has you know, um, hit some record highs, you know. So on a macro level, this country is doing well. And that's why you see wealthier people getting even wealthier. And, again, you know, the middle class. So anyway, that's that's not what I'm here to talk about. But, you know, I, I guess I'll ask Raina, why do you believe, I mean, and you know, if, if you believe, you know, but, I mean, basically, the black church is thriving and flourishing and growing while the white church, you know, is, you know, basically losing memberships and people are walking away. Why do you think that is right now? Because the black church is, uh, you know, the only sort of social safety net that black people have. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's the only, it's the only, you know, uh, constant in the community that will provide services that people need desperately in these communities. It's a place for them to turn for assistance because the government and, uh, you know, their communities, you know, can't be counted upon to help them. So they go to the church. Exactly. Exactly. This, you know, the social safety net, one of the, you know, factors in that. And and that's true. And from the very beginning of this show, when I started this show in 2011, and, you know, to now, and it continue to go on, you know, I've been talking about social safety nets and different, you know, ways and different, you know, focusing on different parts of it. And I've been saying from the very beginning, while you have, you know, people in the secular community, you know, trying to, if you will, recruit folks into this community, especially some, you know, black religious folks, they have absolutely nothing to offer these people. They, you know, many of them do not participate in, let's just say, you know, the food pantry. You know, they're not participating in that. A soup kitchen, you know, you don't see a lot of people doing that. And that's why I have to give credit to some people. You have people like Jill Semecki, and who's out here and, you know, going out to the homeless and giving them supplies and, you know, things like that. And you have some of us working behind the scenes and, you know, doing different things. You know, it's a mentorship program here in Chicago that, you know, I am, you know, a part of now. You know, I decided to do that, but I'm not a mentor. But because with my, you know, my issues, my health issues, I can't. I can't commit to that, and I would not want to hurt a young woman, you know, making, you know, not being able to fulfill my commitment. But what I do is, you know, what I'm going to do, because this is new for me, um, you know, donate financially, and, you know, next week I'm probably going to go over to, you know, one of the office supply stores that has this great sale on school supplies and buy a bunch of school supplies and give it to the coordinators of this mentorship program so that, you know, some of these young people, you know, got paper, folders, pencils, pens, you know, whatever you need, just take it from the box, you know what I mean? And just making sure they have things like that and, and you know, maybe we'll be able to give them a nice little Christmas party or end-of-the-year party, end-of-the-school-year party, what have you. You know, while I don't celebrate holidays, I'm not taking it away from anyone else because I love to see kids on Christmas Day. I love to see their faces when they wake up and see all those toys. So, you know, um, it's just it's interesting. And that's why I'm pointing the finger, you know, even at the black church because with, you know, the social safety net and the social programs, I don't see very many churches you know, continuing that particular tradition. And, you know, it's it's extremely discouraging. You know, and I've been a member of a megachurch. And, you know, when I lived in Atlanta, extremely familiar with Creflo and Eddie and, you know, a number of other ones. And grew up with this stuff, right? And what's interesting is... 
you know, they do some community outreach in, in some respects, but the people that generally benefit from their community outreach are members of their church. And then it's not your average member of the church. is usually one of their cronies, you know, family members, you know, that are benefiting from it. You know, that's who they employ in their little businesses and the communities where that church stands and, you know, where they hold a vast amount of real estate. They they rarely reach out to the people, the immediate surrounding community to help them. You know, but I've seen some exceptions. You know, I used to um, do a lot of network, um, computer networking um, for different churches. And it was one particular church, and I saw them, you know, I would be there, you know, on the weekends when they would be giving out groceries to the people in the neighborhood. You know, you had to be from a certain zip code to get it. And so I would see them, and sometimes I would even help them out, you know, help them pack the bags, help them hand out the bags, you know, get people in line, go down with the list, so that way we can get their information. So they just go up to the table, and they check off the list that I've already given them. Okay, they look at the ID, get what you need, you know, pick up two bags over here, and go on. And I commended that. And they even had, you know, um, they gave away clothing because, you know, I gave, you know, gave them some really nice um, dress suits that I used to wear to church. And so, you know, I've seen some churches doing this, and they're still doing it. When you have mega ministries like that, I feel that nobody in that church should be poor. Nobody in that church should be hungry. And even in the secular community, look at all the money these people have. You know, I mean, for that organization not to realize that somebody, you know, basically paid for their plastic surgery off of their little, you know, slush fund, and, you know, you know, tens of thousands of dollars have come up missing, and it took a while for you to notice that. That means you're sitting on some money, but you're not helping anybody. And the only thing you all are doing is throwing these conferences and, you know, these so-called awards and basically jacking off to each other. That is what you're doing. You're self-congratulating yourself. You're congratulating other people. And it's just, you know, a big old circle jerk. And that's the same thing I saw in the church. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's disturbing. It's disturbing. So, you know, again, I don't want the black church, you know, people feeling like I'm indicting the black church specifically. No, it's the black secular community as well because they're doing absolutely nothing. You know, some of us that are out here as individuals, see, when I talk about individuals, that's a little bit different than when I'm talking about organizations. So I just want to make sure I clarify that before I get some crazy-ass emails, right? And so basically, you know, I'm sitting here and, you know, I'm seeing how, you know, Black Lives Matter is being co-opted. I'm seeing how 
you know, some of the things that are happening, some of the movements, you know, so-called movements in the black atheist community, how that's being co-opted. Not only is it being, you know, co-opted, you know, these programs and, you know, that these women have created being co-opted by black men, but you have some white people co-opting as well, you know, because they they see this and they feel that they can capitalize on it. And the reason why they're successful at that in the secular community is because of racism. You can have Mm -hmm. a black person out here saying that they, you know, they have, you know, they're giving a drive, they need money for A, B, and C, and you get crickets and tumbleweeds. And then you get the same white person that used the exact same language and claiming that they're doing the exact same thing. And within 15, 20 minutes, they're up to $25,000. Well, they don't even have to do that. All they have to do is say that they want to try atheism for a year. (laughs) And they'll get Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's why, you know, I'm just telling people to pay attention, you know, because the grass truly ain't greener on this side. The only difference between the religious side and the secular side is the religious side tries to hide you know, their shit while getting caught. The secular community, they just put shit in people's faces for the most part. You know, they're still trying to hide shit, but they're trying to hide it directly in your view, hoping that you don't see it and that you're not paying attention. You know, and, you know, I'm not just talking about everybody across the board. I'm talking about select few folks. But um, it's horrible. This is absolutely horrible. And, you know, I can see why you have some people at home saying, why should I try? Why should I be, you know, a part of that? And, you know, I'm just sitting here and I'm looking at it all and I'm absolutely floored. But, yeah, you know, the black church wanted to pick up that mantle. And, you know, now that the black secular community and some of the white secular community, you know, they're trying to pick it up. And at first, you know, they were mocking people, calling them social justice warriors. And now you got some of those same people who were, you know, saying that in a very derogatory way. Now they call themselves social justice warriors in a good way. So now they want to claim the term. And they want to say, you know, I'm a social justice warrior. But a few years ago, you know, that was like, you know, a slur. But now that they're bandwagoning on, you know, these particular movements, now they think that they're doing something. What the hell are you right. doing? Uh-huh. No, that's right. I mean, and what's, what's sad about it is, is most of them don't care. Like, they really don't care. Like, all they want to do is throw parties. You know, and uh, and you know, get uh, get to conferences, and you know, maybe get a little bit of a of a honorarium. You know what I mean? If they right. get one, you know what I mean? Exactly. So that's all they care about. Exactly. exactly. And I'm laughing because you know, the conference and conventions and the secular community are just like the ones in the in the, in the Christian community. So I'm gonna go ahead, you know, you know, spill the tea on that as well. When you go to some of these Christian, you know, conventions, there's all kind of shit going on up there. Trust me, 
and you know the same thing happening here. What I'll say, if you want to throw a little, a little, um, a little spice into this, those of you who have significant others that just live at these conferences and conventions, hmm, show up the first night unannounced, like about one o'clock in the morning, and then you'll have your answer. So anyway, um. It's it's you know it's it's really interesting, <laughs> uh, but yeah you know it's about the people or it used to be about the people, but now it's about people you know you know self self aggrandizement, and you know it's it's crazy, you know so it's like you know where do the people go, what do the people do, you know and you know people are used to being able to go to the church and get assistance with, you know, different issues. You know, and that has changed over the years. And in the secular community, forget about it. You know, and I've outlined some really good shit over the past several years. I'm not going to outline it anymore because, you know, I'm seeing more and more people, you know, grabbing a hold of some of the stuff that, you know, we talk about. You know, I've, I've listened to some podcasts, and my my lips just fell to the floor because I'm like, all they did was write down and repeat everything that Raina and I said on my podcast. You know, I've read some blogs, and I'm like, you listen to the show. And so it's like, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of creativity. On this side, I see a lot of appropriation. And, you know, the same thing in the black church. You, you see that shit. You know, you go to three different churches, and, you know, the sermon is the same at all three churches. That's not confirmation from the Lord. That means they're reading from the same script. They buy these sermons, you all. And so, you know, when, you know, I guess I'm talking about this thing, these things, and I blow the lid off of some of it, people are like, I didn't know. I know you didn't know. You know, and that's why we're telling you. You know, what's happening? And so, you know, it's interesting, you know, because I'm going to go back over to the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, I commend them because, you know, they're inclusive of, you know, LGBTQ people. You know, they had um, this week, you know, they were celebrating the lives of black trans people, in particular black trans women. And so, you know, there were a lot of activities I went to, you know, anyway, so, yeah, there were a lot of activities. And, you know, what the hell are we doing over here on the secular side besides, you know, pontificating about how, you know, things should be in this country or pontificating about why you left the church? And it's the same conversation over and over and, you know, with the Christian community, you know, it's the same thing. You know, but it's a little bit different. You know, basically, you know, many of them are up there trying to prove how God blessed them more than that other person. You know, and it's it's just, it's nuts. You know, but what about the people? What about the people in the neighborhoods that are being affected by this? What about the people in these churches, the poor people in these churches that have, you know, believed in these messages, believe what these people told them, believe what, you know, the interpretations that some people have given to some of these scriptures. 
you know, they still have needs that need to be met. And, you know, we have all of these, you know, nonprofit organizations around saying that they're serving the needs of the people in the community. And I have not seen them give out even one crayon to a kid in the community. You know, um, you know, people are going to jail now because the IRS is cracking down on some of these things. You know, people are getting money to, you know, start tutoring programs, you know, and, and you know, these after-school programs, and nobody has seen anything. They have not given out one sticker. We ain't seen one picture. No, nothing. And they're taking the money and they're depositing it into their own personal accounts. In some cases, to fly all over the place, you know, and I'm going to be nice and let that go. But, um, you know, you're seeing this. And, you know, I'm just, you know, frustrated because, you know, I was one of these people, you know, then and now that feel like the people in the local community, you know, if, if that church that's sitting in your community not paying taxes, owns several buildings, you know, in some cases slumlords, not paying any taxes on, you know, their real estate, I feel that the people in the community should be picketing these churches. You should be protesting outside of these churches, telling them, telling the world what they're not doing. As a matter of fact, you can go through all of their IRS um, filings and see how much money that they saved by not paying taxes in your community. And the same thing with the secular community. You know, they've caught on to the game, you know, trying to live a tax-free life, if you will, and, you know, and not doing anything for their communities. You know, saying that they're starting up these programs and doing absolutely nothing, have no receipts to show. You know, now there are one or two. Like when you hear about, when you hear about, like, organizations starting up science programs or uh, trying to start, you know, a a reading program in the prison. Right. Mm hmm. And, um, yes, yes. You know, and it's just interesting. Him knows what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and, you know, I'm just laughing because you have people in these in that very same community that, you know, anyway, <laughs> you know, they can't even understand what the hell Lawrence Krauss or Richard Dawkins are writing, you know, what they're talking about in these books. Because they're not evolutionary, you know, scientists or biologists or anything, and, you know, acting like they understood what the hell Dawkins said. You don't know what the hell he said. So why would you send a Dawkins book to a prisoner that's generally reading on a second or third grade level? But then I've read some of the blogs that some of these people write, and they write on a third, fourth, and fifth grade level, so I can understand. But that's, you know, it's it's just interesting. Um, <laughs> looking at all of this, and, you know, but what I'm saying is, you know, with this movement and why I commend the Black Lives Matter movement, got to be specific when I talk about, you know, a movement. Um, you know, they're trying to be inclusive of all people. And like I said, the people that are heavily marginalized, you know, and basically they're going to have to go out here and throw some elbows 
to get, you know, different parts of their movement back because it has been co-opted. And that's why you see people like me now taking a step back and looking and saying, you know, what the hell is going on around here? So it's a number of things that, you know, need to be addressed. Now, for the ones that I know that are doing that hasn't been co-opted, I support them 100%. But, you know, it's some old funny shit happening over there, you know, and even in the secular community, black secular community, it's some old weird shit going on. And that's why we tell people to pay attention and to listen, but most importantly, you need to listen for what they're not saying. You understand? You know, and even in the black church, you know, like I said, you know, you have people out here, and they talk a good game. You know, I'm for the people and A, B, C, D, and E, but, you know, at the end of the day, what have they done for the people? Pretty much nothing. You know, no pastor should be driving around in a Maybach, you know, a car that's over a quarter of a million dollars, and they take your measurement to make the seats. Do you understand? The seats are custom-made in these cars. And, you know, and, and you got members that are catching a bus. I don't understand that. And, you know, even in the secular community, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at all of these GoFundMe pages. You know, they got their own little begathon. You know, they want to talk about TVN and their, you know, begathons. You're saying the same thing over here. And they're always asking for all of this money for A, B, C, D, and E, and yet they are not yielding any real results. Because if they're asking you for money, to, you know, maintain whatever so that they can go out and do A, B, and C, but you're not seeing any of this coming back to the community to help people because it's all about that individual and what they want and what they're trying to do. And for those of you that are giving donations, you all should be demanding transparency, especially on the secular side over here. You know, there's so much shit going on. I wish I could tell. I can't tell it, but I'm just at the point that I just, you know, I'm stopped. I stopped giving a shit because you got black people in the secular community that are now saying that the black religious people, you know, that's what they deserve. That's what they get for believing. And, you know, now I'm looking at them on the secular side saying, okay, I can use that same type of logic with you. You don't realize what's happening over here because unfortunately you have a lot of people who are not paying attention so a lot of this shit goes right by them and so you know and it's interesting because those that have some skin in this game and they hear well they know exactly who I'm talking about and what I'm talking about and um it's just interesting but yeah if you're donating to different organizations or people you need to make them show you some receipts because you're being lied to. And that's about as as blunt as I can put it. You're being lied to, you're being manipulated, and you're being used. They're doing, they're implementing the same tactics that have been implemented in a church. They're just doing it to a new group of people, and you don't even some of you don't even realize how you're being manipulated. 
And, you know, I want to turn the blind eye to it, but I can't. Why? Because I care about people. You know, on both sides of the equation. But I'm like, you all better get help and start asking some damn questions. It's okay. You know, I laugh at the people in this community that want to say question everything unless it's being told from somebody that they know or somebody they consider a friend. Then they don't question that. They just go along with the program. And when the truth comes out, you're going to be sitting there with some egg on your face. And so, you know, I'm just sitting back and... This is, you know, this this is amazing. But, yeah, like I said, you know, you have people that are extremely marginalized. And, you know, those particular groups, you know, they were shown nothing but love in Cleveland. And, you know, even now with this movement, they're being shown love. And I'm saying that to say this. You even see some preachers now, namely T.D. Jakes, who are out here now saying that their perspective on the LGBTQ movement, you know, has, has, you know, basically, you know, is changing. You know, not that the, you know, the word of God has changed, but his perspective, you know, of it is changing. And I'm like, is that because, you know, you have a child that's out? Or is it because you see that you can make money off the LGBT community by just simply affirming them. Because, you know, with a lot of these people, you know, all they want to do is be acknowledged and to be validated and affirmed. And that game is being played on both sides of the equation. And I feel sorry for the people who are in this for real, who truly believe that, you know, that, you know, there is a better way. You know, we have some good people. You know, I want to make sure that I stress that. You know, there's some good people out here on both sides of the equation. But, you know, I'm seeing a whole bunch of foolishness and fuckery and, you know, bringing your attention to that. But, you know, it's, it's you know, dangerous to play with people people's emotions like that. And it's just interesting because, like I said, you know, earlier, on both sides of the equation, you know, we have some festering cesspools of degenerates. And unfortunately, that's the squeaky wheel that's getting the oil. And, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. Because, you know, I, I want to know how these people sleep at night. Knowing that, you know, they really don't care about the people that they're claiming to care about. They're really not doing anything for the people. And see, on the secular side, you know, having somebody go to a conference and make a speech, how is that representing you? They're representing themselves. What are they doing for the community? Nothing. And because they're doing nothing for the community and they shun social justice, you know, labels and, you know, and they grew up a certain way, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking at it. And I am absolutely amazed that some of these people came from the religious side of the equation 
to the secular side of the equation to be duped by the same gang. And you don't even realize it. And so, you know, I just find it interesting because, you know, you have people in this community that are upset with me because, you know, I lay out some serious and real critiques of this of this community. But the critiques are true, you know. But I also lay out critiques of the black church. And, you know, it's like I try to be as balanced, you know, as possible. But, you know, guys, we need for you to open up your eyes. We need for you to pay attention. And so, you know, I'm just saying that to say this, you know, the black church and social justice, there is more that they can do for the communities. There's more that they can offer people, not only in the community, but their congregations. But the reason why they're not is because the people are not making them. And see, what people haven't realized on both the, you know, religious and the secular sides is that. None of these organizations and none of these people would have, you know, the platform that they would have that they have if you were not giving your money and your time and your resources. You are actually in control, and that's why, you know, I sit and I, you know, I, I watch some of these arguments, and I'm like, but you're seeing the same shit over here, you know. So I mean, people, you know. Don't allow someone to, you know, re-victimize you. You have more power than you realize. And um, it's important that you understand that and that you start, you know, wielding that power, um, you know, with, with responsibility, you know. So it's just interesting, you know, how all of this works. But, yeah, you know, um it's just it's, it's interesting because you have some people that are trying to restore the social justice identity, you know, of the black church. You have some black churches, you know, that have been holding these meetings and conventions to discuss how they're going to handle social justice, how they're going to handle these grassroots, you know, movements and you know, a number of things. And, you know, again, we need to hold both sides accountable because what I find interesting about a lot of black secularists is they want to point at the church and hold the church accountable. You know, one of the arguments that I've heard them, you know, state is, you know, the church is not doing anything to, you know, combat, you know, um, a lot of these horrible stereotypes. They've not done anything to really combat you know, the HIV pandemic that's, you know, in, in our communities. And to a certain degree, that's true. I mean, there are some churches that have HIV outreaches. This is not an indictment of all of them across the board. However, ain't nobody doing shit on the secular side either. So that same finger you're pointing at the black church, I'm pointing it at the black secular community. You know, we did a National HIV Testing Day outreach, you know, last year and this year. There was only a handful of us. You know, I mean, hell, you got people in this community that don't even want to talk about HIV. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm like, you know, am I from another planet, Raina? 
course not. Hmm? I said, of course not. I think I am. You know, because I'm not understanding this shit. You know, so it's, it's, it's interesting, but, you know, I'm one of these people who feel that, you know, I just feel as though I have a responsibility to give back. You know, I have a responsibility to, you know, soothe, you know, the hurt feelings of, you know, people that have been hurt. And, you know, what I find interesting is, you know, you have some people in the secular community that are out there and basically trying to frame this narrative around themselves and their brand stating that they're here to help people, you know, transition into the secular community, the people that are, you know, just leaving religion, and that they're here to soothe and help people that have been hurt in the secular community. And what I find interesting is the people that, you know, the white secular community are, you know, you know, trying to brand with that particular trope and narrative, they're the ones running around hurting folks. How is that? But that's because, you know, they've turned around and they're pointing the finger at others and trying to state that the other people are the ones at fault. No, they just decided that they weren't dealing with your bullshit anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just find it interesting. You know, it's okay for one group, but it's not okay for the other. And, you know, even on both sides of the equation, when you go against the establishment or, you know, a pseudo-establishment, people get angry. You know, why is that, Raina? Because you're not supposed to challenge the establishment. That's why they're the establishment. (laughs) And the thing is, is yeah, you know, and the thing is, is that even over in this community, for us to be, you know, free thinkers, and I've made it clear from the very beginning, I'm a nonconformist. So, you know, people know that about different folks because I'm not the only nonconformist. You know, you see a bunch of them here. You know, so how are you going to try to force a nonconformist to conform? How does that work, Raina? Yeah. Because you're supposed to conform. I can't hear you. I cannot hear you. What? I was saying, you are asking questions that you already know the answer to. Exactly. <laughs> and, and part of that problem is the fact that we're asking questions. And it's, you know, I find it interesting that, you know, you have people in the secular community telling black Christians, you should be asking questions. But then over on this side, you're asking too many questions. Shut up and sit down. And you have people in the secular community saying, we're not a monolith. We're, you know, the black secular community. We're not a monolith. You have all of these different people. But the minute that you think outside the box and it does not correlate or reflect what they believe, they try to harass and badger you until 
you conform and believe what they believe or just state or act like you believe what they believe. Isn't that trying to create a monolith, or am I looking at this wrong, Raina? I mean, I mean, yeah, to an extent, I mean, you know, but I guess those same people, I mean, those same people are the same ones that think that we're being bullied um, by trying to uh, get them to increase their empathy, you know, for people, you know, for marginalized people, you know, when we say that you should care about these things. I mean, I think, I think there's a difference there. I think, I think there's a difference between trying to have people conform to the status quo and, um, and what we're trying to do, which is basically trying to increase people's empathy, you know, try to expand their minds, you know. Exactly. And see, the thing is, is that, you know, because I've said this about the black church, and the same thing holds true for the black atheist community. They take their cues from white people. When the white people say it's okay to talk about social justice and to do social justice work, then all of a sudden, yay, we're going to be over here. We're going to talk about social justice. We're going to talk about intersectionality. But it was not until they got the nod and the green light from certain, you know, white organizations and certain white people. But, see, you know, what's unfortunate is, you know, a lot of these blacks don't realize how they're being played and how those particular white organizations are going to profit from it. And so it's 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 absolutely amazing, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it's crazy, you know. We get a lot of people you know, out here, you know, talking about social justice now and claiming social justice warrior like, you know, some type of, you know, um, award of some sort, you know. And it's just interesting. And, you know, both sides, you know, they're both struggling, you know, to adapt to these new generations. And I think it's some generational gaps happening here because there was an article and I posted it on my wall earlier this week. I didn't I didn't post a lot this week, so it should be easy for you to go back and read it. And, you know, it was an article in which, you know, the author was talking about, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, and they were claiming that they were part of the civil rights movement, and but they're having a hard time, you know, being on board with the Black Lives Matter movement. And that particular article was, you know, it just reeked of respectability politics. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you have to go out and you need to read that. But, I mean, you, you know, this is the same shit happening on this side. And it's funny because when you call people, particularly certain black atheists, out on respectability politics, they're like, that's not what I'm doing. I don't know who you're talking to, blah, 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 blah. I'm talking to you. Right. Because it's true. Oh, oh, oh. But anyway, you know, oh, Raina, I don't know how I'm going to make it through another day. But, um, you know, basically, at this point, you know, on both sides of the attention with some of these black churches and some of these black, you know, secular organizations, they're, you know, basically they're selling out their own communities. And especially on the secular side, all you're doing is clearing a path for, you know, a lot of these white races to be able to go into the black community and the black churches 
and destroy the little bit, you know, that the community has because a lot of the wealth that we had was lost in 2007 and 2008 Mm -hmm. with, you know, the mortgage crisis there and, you know, all Mm -hmm. of the hedge funds, you know, the worthless pieces of paper, and it's just crazy. But, you know, they're selling out the community. And we are in a worse condition now than we were in the 50s and 60s. And, you know, and that's why, you know, I'm looking at these people, and I'm like, you don't understand history, you don't understand economics, they sure as hell don't understand the capitalism. The only thing they understand is part of the capitalism is that they want to make money. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here because, you know, at the expense of what? So, um, you know, again, when it comes to, you know, what's happening with social justice and the black church and the black secular community, you know, we're divided, you know, over that. But the thing is, is that even though there's a division there, some people are for it, some people are not, there's enough people that claim to be for social justice that can do a lot of work. You know, but unfortunately, you have a lot of people out here that do a lot of talking. And, you know, that's all they want to do. You know, they're this social justice warrior, they're this, you know, atheist king or queen on Facebook and Twitter. But in real life, they're not doing anything. And when you call them on it, they get angry. So, you know, I mean, it's it's a lot of things, a lot of imperatives that, you know, we need to start addressing and talking about. But, you know, right now it's about social justice and social change. And so, you know, that's all we can do. You know, we've got to move forward. We need to continue calling people out on these, you know, disparities and just the fuckery that I'm seeing. And it's just, like I said, um, you know, the black church wants to hold that mantle, you know, of being, you know, advocates for social justice and, you know, being, you know, liberators or, you know, fighting for the liberation of these communities. You have all different types out there. And, you know, it's time to move. It's time to start walking that walk. You know, and over in the secular community, I don't know what the hell they're doing over there. You know, because, you know, I'm a part of the community and I'm looking at this and, you know, I just shake my head. And then especially when I see, you know, people who I used to admire, you know, co-signing on some of this bullshit. And so I'm just sitting back and looking and, you know, that, you know, anti-racist organization that allegedly got half the proceeds. Yeah, I think I'm getting ready to watch you for a while. Let's see what you do with those proceeds. I want to see this anti-racist work that you call yourself doing. I want pictures. I want receipts. And I'm going to start calling that out soon, too. Because, again, you know, you have a lot of scams, a lot of con artists, you know, and I'm still sitting back laughing on these people 
you know, with all these damn GoFundMe, you know, campaigns and shit, you need to ask them where the money is going. What is the money being used for? You know, and if none of that money is being used Go ahead. Okay, so I have a okay, so I have a perspective on this. I think you definitely need to question some of these people on where the money is going, uh, what the money is going for. But mm-hmm. that does not mean that everyone that you give money to you owe, is, owes you an explanation about what's going on with that money. So, like for example, there was donations that were given to that woman um, who had the situation where her she left her child in the car when she went on right. a job interview. And so, you know, people were saying that they didn't like how she spent the money or what have you. But you gave her the money. You know what I mean? You gave her see, the but money I'm not that's no longer yours. Yeah, but, but see, the thing people. is, I'm just saying you should make sure that you're talking about the organizations. So right. I'm just saying. I'm just clarifying yeah. that, like, there's a difference okay. there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know, um, you know, yeah. And so, you know, you got to figure out, you know, what's happening there. But, no, I agree with Raina because there's a situation now um, in which questions are coming up about donations that were sent in for one of the young men that were, you know, that was a victim of police violence, you know, or state violence. And so, you know, you got some people up here and, Money has disappeared, and that's why I'm looking at this shit. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, and you have the same thing happening over here, you know, and um, I I just say follow the money. Follow the money. Make them produce receipts. If they're not trying to produce receipts, you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention. You need to question everything, even if you're on the secular side. And it's even more important to question things over here on the secular side of the equation. Why? Because you're supposed to know better, especially those that have transitioned out of the church to the secular community. You know, you should know better. It's okay to question things. And if you have people out here, you know, getting angry with you because you're questioning things and they're using that as an intimidation tactic or a way to shun and ostracize, you need to question that shit. If you have people out here saying that, you know, you either support me or you don't, and if you're supporting me, you can't support that other person, you know, you need to pay attention to that. When did this turn into a dictatorship? And why is that person so threatened that, you know, that you want to support more than one person? I mean, is, you know, are they saying that you, that, you know, you're not intelligent enough to support different causes, that they only want you to support them and their cause? So I guess my question is, do you have a new God? Is that your new God? You need to start questioning things, people. You need to start. So I'm just sitting back and, you know, I'm looking at the last sentence that I put on the storyboard here. And it was. It basically says, um, this movement, and I'm talking about all black lives, 
you know, because all black lives matter, you know, and it's just, it's, it's interesting because you have a lot of the no-teppers out here trying to dictate and tell, you know, the women that started this that the focus should be on black men, and one of the excuses that they're giving is because this movement was formed and started because of, you know, black men that were killed by state violence, which is not necessarily true. You know, and this is why you see us saying, you know, black women matter. And, you know, we talk about people like, you know, Sandra Bland, Rakia Boyd, um, you know, um, Renisha McBride, and a number of other women. You know, Ayanna Jones, you know, I can go on all day, but... You know, and then we're also including the black trans lives, you know, black trans women that have been killed. What is the number up to? It's like 17 so far this year, and, you know, and it's horrible. And so, you know, my whole thing is is that we cannot allow this to be co-opted on either side. And you need to pay attention because my thing is, are we falling for those old tricks again? See, a lot of the things that are being implemented, you know, the strategies and the tactics, these are not new strategies and tactics. They use the same ones every time. Why? Because it was effective. So, you know, that's why we think it's important that you know the history so that you can know what's coming at you. But, you know, I want to finish the comment that I was making about the woman who wrote that article. And basically it was a bunch of respectability politics. And, you know, she was claiming she was part of the civil rights movement. And, you know, you know, I was reading some comments, and people were saying that people have questioned her before about what organizations she supported when she was, a, you know, part of the civil rights movement, and they've never been able to get a straight answer out of her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now we're questioning Red that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's why I'm like, question everything, guys. But on the secular side, you should be questioning everything, you know, with precision, especially for those of you that transition out of religion into secularism. You need to be questioning everything. You know, you should recognize, I mean, it's like this. If you're raising red flags and you're not quite sure about it, there's a reason for that. Okay. And you need to question it. And you cannot just take people's word and believe that. Because I'm like, you know, some of these people, you know, they basically treat some of these people, these these so-called atheist celebrities, like people do their pastors. You better not say nothing about pastors. You know what I mean? And, I mean, hell, Raina and I have had people make a video about us, you know, angry because we've questioned Richard Dawkins and Hitchens and have issues and have critiqued them. So, I mean, red flag, red flag, red flag. Pay attention. In this community, we should be able to critique people. And there's a difference between critiquing people and defaming someone. But unfortunately, some people have to learn the difference the hard way. Anyway, Raina, any closing words from you? Uh, no, not at this time. I think we've about covered everything that we need to cover. Um, you know, just like you know, Kim said, just question everything. So. Exactly. And I'll say this one more time: Do not let the old civil rights vanguard come in and co-opt this Black Lives Matter movement. 
don't let them come in and push out the young people who started this. Don't let them come in and further marginalize, you know, groups that have been, you know, ignored and shunned and mistreated. We cannot allow that to happen. We cannot allow that to continue. We can, I mean, you know, honey, we got to speak up. We got to speak up because we, anyway, Raina, my darling, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate thank it. I appreciate it. Oh, anytime. Anytime. And so for those of you that are listening, again, this is Raina Rhodes joining me today. And my name is Kimberly Veal. And we are Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. We're challenging the way that, you know, you think. We're challenging, you know, different things that have been taught, not only to you but ourselves. You know, we're challenging ourselves, I'm, you know, because I laugh because, you know, sometimes people, you know, they tell me, they're like, oh, man, can you holding us to the fire? And I'm like, but just imagine what I'm doing to myself. You know, and so, you know, the whole thing is is interesting because, you know, I've had someone comment about, you know, what we do on the show and what we, you know, talk about on the shows. And, you know, for the life of them, they couldn't understand why, you know, you know, I read these books and I share the information. And, you know, and, you know, what's interesting is, you know, the person is, you know, an intellectual and, you know, the reason why I take umbrage with that is because a lot of this information is, you know, is, is available, but if you don't know what to look for or where to look for it, you have no idea, and that's why people don't understand and don't know about these things. But unfortunately, with some of these people, you know, they, you know their focus is writing books. Their focus is on getting speaking engagements. So that way, you know, they have a product to sell. But it's not necessarily their product to sell. Just like the Bible, you have religious people selling the gospel, selling you, you know, you know, information that you can read in the Bible for yourself. And the same thing is happening on this side. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm laughing because people want to ignore the parallels. But anyway, we're going to continue reading, researching, and sharing this information with you. You know, we're not going anywhere. You know, the format may change in the future, but we're not going anywhere. We're going to be around for a while, you know. Well, I hope. So, you know, so anyway, you all enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Raina, enjoy your afternoon, dear. All right. All right. So. You're the same. All right. Good night, everybody. Enjoy the archives. Take care. Bye.